Hello and welcome to all of you listeners out there to the Womance Public Access read-along of Pride and Prejudice by who else but Jane Austen. My name is Morgan and I read the odd chapters around here. And I'm Isabeau and I read the even chapters. Uh, And last time we read a chapter, it was chapter 24. What happened in chapter 24? Well, in chapter 24, Lizzie and Jane disagree vociferously on their worldviews, wherein Jane is like, everybody's cool. (laughs) And Lizzie's like, no, they're fucking not. Stop lying. (laughs) And Jane is like, I can't. You're being mean. And then Mr. Bennett was like, hey, why don't you go get yourself jilted by that handsome Mr. Wickham? (laughs) Wow. Yep, that's what happened. And and now here we are at the at the precipice of chapter 25. <clears throat> After a week spent in professions of love and schemes of felicity, Mr. Collins was called from his amiable Charlotte by the arrival of Saturday. The pain of separation, however, might be alleviated on his side by preparations for the reception of his bride, as he had reason to hope that shortly shortly after his next return to Hertfordshire, the day would be fixed that was to make him the happiest of men. He took leave of his relations at Longbourn with as much solemnity as before, wished his fair cousin's health and happiness again, and promised their father another letter of thanks." On the following Monday, Mrs. Bennet had the pleasure of receiving her brother and his wife, who came, as usual, to spend the Christmas at Longburn. Mr. Gardiner was a sensible, gentleman-like man, greatly superior to his sister, as as, as well by nature as education. The Netherfield ladies would have had difficulty in believing that a man who lived by trade and within view of his own warehouses could have been so well bred and agreeable. Mrs. Gardiner, who was several years younger than Mrs. Bennet and Mrs. Phillips, was an amiable, intelligent, elegant woman, and a great favorite with all her long-born nieces. Between the two eldest and herself especially, there subsisted a very particular regard. They had frequently been staying with her in town. The first part of Mrs. Gardner's business upon her arrival was to distribute her presents and describe the newest fashions. When this was done, she had a less active part to play. It became her turn to listen. Mrs. Bennet had many grievances to relate, and much to complain of. They had all been very ill-used since she last saw her sister. Two of her girls had been on the point of marriage, and after all, there was nothing in it. I do not blame Jane, she continued, for Jane would have got Mr. Bingley if she could, but Lizzie, oh, sister, it is very hard to think that she might have been Mr. Collins's wife by this time, had it not been for her own perverseness. He made her an offer in this very room, and she refused him. The consequence of it is that Lady Lucas will have a daughter married before I have, and that Longburn estate is just as much entailed as ever. The Lucases are very artful people indeed, sister. They are all for what they can get. I am sorry to say it of them, but so it is. It makes me very nervous and poorly to be thwarted so in my own family, and to have neighbors, 
who think of themselves before anybody else. However, your coming just at this time is the greatest of comforts. And I'm very glad to hear what you tell us of long sleeves. <laughs> I really just can't hate any of that. <laughs> oh my God. Jane Austen is a very good writer. <laughs> She's a very good writer. Who knew? Mrs. Gardner, to whom the chief of this news had been given before in the course of Jane and Elizabeth's correspondence with her, made her sister a slight answer and in compassion to her nieces turned the conversation. When alone with Elizabeth afterwards, she spoke more on the subject. It seems likely to have been a desirable match for Jane, said she. I'm very sorry it went off, but these things happen so often. A young man, such as you describe Mr. Bingley, so easily falls in love with a pretty girl for a few weeks, and when accident separates them, so easily forgets that these sort of inconstancies are very frequent. An excellent consolation in its way, said Elizabeth, but it will not do for us. We do not suffer by accident. It does not often happen that the interference of friends will persuade a young man of independent fortune to think no more of a girl whom he was violently in love with only a few days before. But what expression of violently in love is so hackneyed, so doubtful, so indefinite, that it gives me very little idea? It is as often applied to feelings which arise from and half hours acquaintance as to a real strong attachment. Pray, how violent was Mr. Bingley's love? I never saw a more promising inclination. He was growing quite inattentive to other people and wholly engrossed by her. Every time they met, it was more decided and remarkable. At his own ball, he offended two or three young ladies by not asking them to dance. And I spoke to him twice myself without receiving an answer. Could there be finer symptoms? Is not general incivility the very essence of love? <laughs> oh, yes, of that kind of love which I suppose him to have felt. Poor Jane. I'm sorry for her because with her disposition, she may not get over it immediately. It had better have happened to you, Lizzie. You would have laughed yourself out of it sooner. But do you think she would be prevailed on to go back with us? Change of scene might be of service, and perhaps a little relief from home may be as useful as anything. Elizabeth was exceedingly pleased with this proposal and felt persuaded of her sister's ready acquiescence. I hope, added Mrs. Gardner, that no consideration with regard to this young man will influence her. We live in so different a part of town. All our connections are so different, and as you well know, we go out so little that it is very improbable that they should meet at all unless he really comes to see her. And that is quite impossible, for he is now in the custody of his friend, and Mr. Darcy would no more suffer him to call on Jane in such a part of London. My dear aunt, how could you think of it? Mr. Darcy may perhaps have heard of such places as Gracechurch Street, but he would hardly think a month's ablution enough to cleanse him from its impurities when he were he wants to enter it and depend upon it. Mr. Bingley never stirs without him. So much the better. I hope they will not meet at all. But does not Jane correspond with the sister? She will not be able to help calling. She will drop the acquaintance entirely. But in spite of the certainty in which Elizabeth affected to place this point, 
as well as the still more interesting one of Bingley's being withheld from seeing Jane, she felt a solicitude on the subject which convinced her, on examination, that she did not consider it entirely hopeless. It was possible, and sometimes she thought it probable, that his affection might be reanimated and the influence of his friends successfully combated by the more natural influences of Jane's attractions. Miss Bennet accepted her aunt's invitation with pleasure, and the Bingleys were no otherwise in her thoughts at the time than as she hoped that by Caroline's not living in the same house with her brother, she might occasionally spend a morning with her without any danger of seeing him. The gardener stayed a week at Longbourn, and what with the Phillipses, the Lucases, and the officers, there was not a day without its engagement. Mrs. Bennet had so carefully provided for the entertainment of her brother and sister that they did not once sit down to a family dinner. When the engagement was for home, some of the officers always made part of it, of which officers Mr. Wickham was sure to be one. And on these occasions, Mrs. Gardner, rendered suspicious by Elizabeth's warm commendation of him, narrowly observed them both. Without supposing them, from what she saw, to be very seriously in love, their preference for each other was plain enough to make her a little uneasy. And she resolved to speak with, to Elizabeth on the subject before she left Hertfordshire, and represent to her the imprudence of encouraging such an attachment. To Mrs. Gardner... Wickham had one means of affording pleasure, unconnected with his general powers. About ten or a dozen years ago, before her marriage, she had spent a considerable time in that very part of Derbyshire to which he belonged. They had, therefore, many acquaintance in common, and though Wickham had been little there since the death of Darcy's father five years before, it was yet in his power to give her fresher intelligence of her former friends than she had been in the way of procuring. Dun, dun, dun. Mrs. Gardner had seen Pemberley and known the late Mr. Darcy by character perfectly well. Here, consequently, was an inexhaustible subject of discourse, and comparing her recollection of Pemberley with the minute description which Wickham could give, and in bestowing her tribute of praise on the character of its late possessor, she was delighting both him and herself. On being made acquainted with the present Mr. Darcy's treatment of him, she tried to remember something of that gentleman's reputed disposition when quite a lad, which might agree with it and was confident, at last, that she recollected having heard Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy spo formerly spoken of as a very proud, ill-natured boy. Hmm. hmm. What thinkest thou? First of all, I get, I get why the aunt is such, a big, is such a favorite of Lizzie and Jane. I love her. I love Mrs. Bennett's little dialogue snippet. Um... I don't love reading Christmas things outside of the holiday season, especially when spring is springing upon us. Wickham is, is quite skilled, and I think the book is like more than sh shrugging its shoulder at uh, an idea of manipulation here. I think what's fascinating to me is that like the idea of memory being false or that you could like um mm. plant a memory where there wasn't one and then it could feel true mm -hmm. i think so much of us and you've said it before because you're a very very smart lady uh where you're like 
we're we're just not that removed from the past and the past isn't like somehow backwards from us in any particular like human way mm-hmm. um and this very much feels like a confirmation of that thesis where it's like here is Jane Austen with no Freud no you know psychology no study of any of those things and she's like by the way your memory can trick you yeah and it's tricking Mrs. Gardner a beloved character yeah I also want to point out we have spent quite a bit of time away from Mr. Darcy. He's referenced in nearly every chapter, but I think he's been gone for like 10 chapters now. Yeah, his his uh, casts a long mental shadow on Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, and likewise Mr. Wickham. Mm-hmm. Fan behavior, some might say, <laughs> on the part of both. Mm-hmm. They just can't stop talking about him. They just can't quit him. I kind of long for, like, even the first time I read this, right, I knew it was about Lizzie and Mr. Darcy. But I kind of love the idea of being, like, a reader when this book first came out and not knowing which way it would go. And, like, what would be the experience of reading Wickham Mm -hmm. without all of this cultural context? I mean, Darcy is so gone. Like, what, I want, I, I wish... I'm sure there's got to be someone who's done like an oral air quotes history of fan reception for Pride and Prejudice, like people looking in like old diaries or something. I don't know. I don't know. That would be cool. Could someone please do that if that doesn't exist? (laughs) Yeah, that would be super cool. I think the closest that this comes to for me personally is like um, Bridget Jones's diary. And like I vaguely knew that it was a Pride and Prejudice retread, but... um, Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, Colin Firth does such a good job of being such a, you know, shit. And um, what's his name? Hugh Grant does such a charm bomb that I'm like, I'm such a good job at being Hugh Grant. Yeah, such a good job at being Hugh Grant that I was like, you know, this could go either way. And like, obviously, Colin Firth is the better character, the Mark Darcy, which like should yeah. have been a fucking giveaway. God. No, that's such a good point because I saw Bridget Jones's diary before I had I knew what Pride and Prejudice was, so I had none of those assumptions. And yeah, I was rooting like I remember being a child and being disappointed that it didn't work out. That she ends up with Mark Darcy. <laughs> yeah, because Hugh Grant was so much more fun. So much more fun. And like just felt very much more in like line with what Bridget was doing. Just like so much more at her like Mm-hmm. fun level yeah so like that would be the closest analog that I would have to being like because like there's nothing you know even people that we trust in the book right like Mr. Bennett we're supposed to trust and Mrs. Gardner we're supposed to trust he's like why don't you go get jilted by Wickham and she's like oh yeah Wickham you know about Derbyshire tell me about the great state of Pemberley that I have been to remind me of my girlhood and he's like well madam let me do it. <laughs> it was like, ruled by a nice Darcy. And then it was taken over by a mean Darcy. And she's like, you're right. You're right. I do remember him being an ill-tempered and proud boy. Like, And she, but like, she had this initial instinct with Wickham that was like, I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talks about how he had to work harder. And so it's not like the book is like particularly cagey about his nature. It just sucks that we can't look at Hugh Grant while it's <laughs> happening to be like as distracted as Lizzie was. It's so true because I think like that's it. Like 
the movie Bridget Jones' Diary is not cagey about what Hugh Grant is. Yeah. Who, what, what is the, what movie do you think Hugh Grant is at his, like, most desirable looking? His most desirable looking? Yeah, when's, when's he the hottest? Bridget Jones. You think Bridget Jones? Yeah, because he needs to be a little craggier, like, when he's at his, like, full Mm. face fat. His his baby baby face. face, Like, in Sense and Sensibility, he's, like, fine, but, like, he's just a little too. Oh, he's not. Yeah, he's a little too, like, He's he's not cute in Sense and Sensibility. I would call him uh, foppish in Sense and Sensibility I, as Mr. Yeah. Ferris, Mr. Edward Ferris. I would say Notting Hill. That's a good one. Numero uno. And then maybe Lair of the White Worm, which he is very much a baby face, but I think he's not in like a weird like puffy alcohol baby face, mm, which is- I think is... Where we find him in, sense in and the sensibility. In, in sense and sensibility, yeah, really ninety five to like ninety nine because Notting Hill is like early aughts or maybe nineteen ninety nine. Like there's there's a period of puff there. He recently came out and said that mobile phones have ruined the filmmaking experience because people aren't getting drunk and falling in love with each other anymore on film sets on their downtime. Uh, they're just on their phones, and I was like, that's a take. <laughs> Exactly. That is a take. Of I wonder if it like I don't know. I do feel like a certain amount of chemistry is no longer in the motion pictures. I don't know. That was once there. I, maybe it's just migrated to television. Like my immediate thought was like Fleabag with Hot Priest, and I was like, "There's nothing mm. but chemistry." And like that guy. Maybe they were drunk the whole time too. We don't know. That's true. But you know what I mean. Like that's post cell phones and like. Post cell phones, I can think of other films with like a ton of hot chemistry. I, I bet the Adam Driver fanfic to publishing contract folk would say that he has a lot of chemistry with people. I watched Annette, which is a mm-hmm. weird movie that Adam Driver was in, but holy shit, is he gorgeous in that. They shot the ever-loving Christ out of Adam Driver in that movie. Mm. He just looks incredible. But he's with Marion Cotillard, and I would say, like, the chemistry isn't really there. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think it's to the detriment of the movie. But I am trying to think of, like, I mean, I think he had, like, a lot of chemistry with uh, Jessa from Girls. But I think she could have shouldered that entire thing herself. And it's, like, a lot of longing looks. We'll save it, but I think, okay, so the reason I asked you when is Huger at the hottest, I think I'm going to print out a little mask of him in, what did you say? I said Bridget Jones. Bridget Jones just dies. Get, like, original BJD HG, tape it on my face, and then whenever we talk about Wickham, you can have that reference. And if you could do likewise with Notting Hill, Hugh Grant. Absolutely, can do. I'll just make it my whole background, so it'll be like you just look at me and him. Oh, that's a way more practical solution. I mean, I like the materiality of your <laughs> solution. I'm just like, we're living in a digital world here. <laughs> also, I don't know if my printer works. Yeah, we, we don't have to live. We have to- <laughs> I have some like real questions about like whether or not I can perform a mask, but I can perform a digital background. <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that then. And that way we'll have like the right amount of distraction so that we can really get into. I think frankly, that's like, that's the move. I'm glad that you're encouraging us to like think in the contemporaneous moment of the text. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, it's so prescient as is. I know. That I think we just need that little nudge. (laughs) It's true. Uh, All right. Anything else? Mm -mm. This was great. With that, loosen your prejudices. But never your prides. Wooly guacamole, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Womance. Womance is hosted, produced, and edited by my friend Morgan. And by my friend Isabel. Our logo artwork is by another friend, Mary Reichman. You can find her on Instagram at m.reichman, spelled R-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N-N. Original music by Nick Gravelin. And our webmistress is Jane Bonzak. They're the best. You're also the best. We so appreciate your support by listening. Please consider taking this to the next level by following, rating, and reviewing. We read every single review. Or even check us out on Patreon. If you'd like more woe in your life, you can connect with us on Instagram at womance and on Twitter where we are at mans underscore woe. Or you can find more episodes and content at womancepodcast.com. If you have an idea or just want to reach out, please email womancemail at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Womance is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Until next time.